We are live. We are live. We are in color. The show is all yours. Fantastic, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to yet another episode of Glass Half Sports. Today is Thursday, September 13th, 2022. As always, glad to have y'all with us. I am one half of your hosting duties, blown in from the morning Chicago wind, uh, a little jet lag this morning. Nick Huffman, as always, joined by my cantankerous co-host, Michael Mansing. How you doing today, buddy? I'm doing all right. How are you? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. Feeling a little feisty this morning? How was it setting up the studio by yourself? It was fine. Yeah? Yep. Seems short. I think Mike, we're going to get some good stuff out of Mike today. Uh, Mike, if they have or they are sports fans with sports fan friends, where can they go to like, subscribe, and follow? As always, guys, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Spotify, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Patreon, and Twitch. That's right. Uh, we can be found post-show as well on local cable here in the Twin Cities on MCN6. If you're not located in the local Twin Cities, uh, you can find us via the Roku app That's right. through MCN6. Anywhere in the country, folks. And then make sure you also hit that notification bell at the top of all those pages where you go to follow us on because you will be notified every time we go to post new content. Mike, why don't you run them through what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, it's a big show today, as always. Uh, we're going to go Vikings review into preview for the next week here. Uh, we have our preseason Wild Wolf Watch with both teams starting here very shortly. That's right. Uh, we have our NFL headline news, NFL Power Rankings 2.0. That's right. Uh, we're going to do our NFL and MLB key games moving forward in the next week. And then we're going to play a game at the end called NBA contender or pretender. That's because tip off is this week. It is. They have real basketball returning. We're going to have to, uh, re-educate ourselves on some teams that we have not paid attention to since the wolves were eliminated last year. Yep. Yeah. It's going to be tough. Just one more thing on the plate. Well, where would you like to start, Mike? Uh, let's go Vikings review of the bears game of the bears game. Okay. Now I'm going to ask. Do you still have the same feelings prior to the Bears game that you had or pre or after the Bears game that you had prior to the Bears game about yes. the Minnesota Vikings? Yes. Okay. I'm going to let you go as to why you think we are in for a rude awakening to, for the remainder of our schedule. Because I think that's pretty much what you alluded to last week is when we go to play these better teams that are coming up, that this formula will not last. Mm-hmm. Okay, you want to elaborate on why? Uh, I think it's obvious to anyone who knows football and watched that team play. Um, I mean, you needed another last-second touchdown to beat one of the worst teams in the NFL. Correct. It's it's not going to continue to happen against the better teams in the NFL, and you're going to finish 9-8 and eight because of it. So you're saying that the Vikings, in the way that they are playing football with close games in the fourth quarter, no matter who their opponent is, is an outlier. No, I didn't say that. You're trying to put words in my mouth because you're trying to go down this little rabbit hole that you have statistics drawn up for. I, I, it's clear to anybody who knows football, they're not playing good football. They went up 21-3 correct. and then coasted and almost lost the football game. It's bad football. It's pure and simple bad football. See, I would di- I'm going to I'm going to disagree with you. Okay, okay. That's fine. 70 games have been played between week 1 and week 5. 82% of them have been within one score in the fourth quarter. There have been more comebacks in the fourth quarter this year than any year in NFL history. So that would also lead me to believe that the Vikings are not some sort of outlier that are just playing bad football. No, it leads me to believe that my statement last week about the NFL being bad football this year is actually more true than you thought. You think that the most talented league on the planet, instead of maybe the bad teams, which Mike said, hey, we want more parity, parity, which we want teams like the Giants and the Jaguars, teams that haven't had success in the past, to raise the water level, 
or 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 the the retaining line. You think that that is less likely the case than all of these teams, Super Bowl caliber teams, have regressed this far to where they're in constant contention with what you would consider dumpster fire teams. I think it's clear that the the premier teams in this league have regressed completely. The Packers losing to the Giants in London is a perfect example of that. The Packers roster is much better than the Giants roster top to bottom, period, exclamation point. And the fact that they lost shows that the NFL is not as good as it was last year. Me and you argue it's that's contradictory to your previous statements, by the way, because me and you have argued over the last two years that the Packers are not the 13 and four team that they have lucked but they're into not roster losing wise. To the Giants bad either. But that's you making an indictment on the Giants, a team that right now is one of the a better example that shows how poor the NFL is because they're sitting at four and one and they're a complete pretender at that record. Ah, uh, I time Go will watch tell their football game. Time will Go tell watch their games. Time will tell it, it will. And, but Dayball's got that team doing a Fortnite dance on your head. When it I'm not saying that right. the giants are going to make, you know, are going to be, you know, contenders for a super bowl or that they're going to be a rallying place for the playoffs. But I will tell you that they are playing much better than they played last year. I will make the same argument about the Minnesota Vikings, okay? Mike, go ahead and name the quarterback that leads the NFL in fourth quarter comeback drives over the last year and a half. Kirk Cousins. That would be correct. Not Tom Brady, not Aaron Rodgers, not Patrick Mahomes, not Josh Allen, who, by the way— Those quarterbacks are up by two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Oh, really? Is that why Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills are statistically the worst team in one-score games in the fourth quarter over the last two seasons? Because they don't play in one-score games. They beat teams by 30. You're going to lead into my point. Thank you very much. The Buffalo Bills suffer from being an evident front runner with a head coach that has been there and established a rhythm and a system. What I like is a 37-year-old head coach in Kevin O'Connell who is in his fifth game calling plays, mind you, because he didn't have he didn't have that responsibility in Los Angeles, has found ways to make Good play calls to get it done in tight situations, something we didn't have last year. Perfect example. They run that jet sweep all game long, that motion right across behind the right behind the quarterback. They get down uh on the goal line, they move at, they move Dalvin Cook out. They he makes the defense think for just a split second. Okay, what's coming? They send Adam. I guarantee you, everybody's thinking that's where the ball goes, and instead they do what the Vikings haven't done all year. Run a sneak across the goal line with Kirk Cousins. That's smart play calling. That's knowing how to just get it done. And me and Gabe talked about this in uh, over the course of the week as we led up to the Bears game. This is a player-led team, and you're seeing certain things that are telling us that when the, when the tough gets going, that this team isn't going to fold up like it has in years past. It's not their offense that has ever folded up, though. Go back and watch their games from last year. They would score with a minute left, and then the other team would drive down and score. And they're what basically happened in London. In London, they don't get the kickoff without a injury timeout. Okay, make excuses completely. That's fine. Continue to make excuses about your average football team because that's what they are right now. They're average. They're above average. They are a playoff contender. And here's what I will tell you winning this way early will teach us not only how to win in a more definite fashion down the line in, in years to come. It also teaches you to play down to your competition. I don't think that's the... That is such a blanket statement. They almost lost to the Bears and the Saints who are missing all their star players on the offensive side of the ball. So the Chiefs played down to the Colts when when they played them. 
The Colts are a playoff team. They were a playoff team last year. The Chiefs, a Super Bowl contender, okay. did or did not play down to the level of the first-round exit Indianapolis sure. Colts. Sure. Okay. Is it as bad as playing down to a team that won, what, four games last year? No, it's not. Did the Packers play down to the level of the New York Giants? Yes. Okay. So this is why me and Mike differ so entirely. Mike's whole standpoint or viewpoint, and correct me if I'm wrong here, is that the, the level of talent that we are seeing in the most urgent the most popular, the most revenue-generating league in the world, might I add, has lowered to a point to where now everybody's just average. Yes. Where I say teams like— Including the Minnesota Vikings when I hold them to a higher standard. If you're playing what I want you to be playing, you put away that Bears team 34-13. to 13. You don't make it a close game uh, and have to have a touchdown in the last minute. That's holding your team to a higher standard. That's being a fan instead of just going— Four and one, and I can barely understand your lectures with KOC's dick down your mouth. I, listen, oh, it's it's, it's funny it's, to me, it's Mike. Donatello's it's funny because if they if they were sitting around losing, then you'd be all up in arms. Everybody said arms everybody said we need football. Everybody said we needed more Daniel Hunter. Daniel Hunter played a better version of the role that he was in than he had played all all <sighs> year in this last game. Five, two. Okay, cool. Okay, so we're not generating a pass Hunter. rush. We're, we're literally putting him standing up and changing an entire scheme on defense that has been installed for eight years. Okay. That's going to take more than five weeks. Sure. Okay. Also, all they talked about all offseason was moving Daniil and Zedarius around so they could get pressure on the quarterback. Two sacks through five games does not sound like pressure on the quarterback. That sounds like DJ Wanham numbers. I mean, do Continue. you want do you want to run out all your most complex schemes and things like that against the Bears since they're all so I've, bad? All I've pretty much seen all year is pretty much a four-man rush with those two coming off the edge mm. with, with maybe an outlier or two per game. You're telling me what? You have three schemes that you can run late in the season and you're going to wait until week 14? Bull pucky. They said they wanted more Daniel Hunter. We got more Daniel Hunter. They said we wanted a better version of Kirk Cousins. We got it outside. You take away the one pick that he threw last week. One throw. Kirk Cousins was pretty damn good last week. And then they said, oh, it's the defensive secondary. And Cam Dantzler has stepped up mightily in the last four weeks. Yep. Cam Dantzler had a great turnover to save the game against the Chicago Bears. But Mike's whole argument is, oh, the defense is the problem. Last no, year's defense, that, that tackle that gets broken. That, Last year's defense. At all. That's not what I said at all. I said it's the defense this year that's actually making plays and saving the offense because the offense produces really well. First, second, third, yep. drive of the and game. And then coaches and then make adjustments because this off. is the NFL. Okay, why don't we make adjustments then so we can score in the freaking third quarter? We scored in the fourth quarter when it mattered. Oh my God. It matters the whole 60 minutes, Nicholas. Not you can put teams away. You can step on their throats. You can make adjustments to their adjustments. When you're up 21 to three and they make an adjustment to slow you down, you make an adjustment to score off that adjustment. I agree. You, with you. exploit their adjustment and continue to score the football. You don't let the Chicago bears come back 19 points and go up by one with two minutes left in the fourth quarter. Okay. No, that's bad football. I'm not going to argue with you about this. That is bad football. Did, the new, did that perfect New England Patriots team, did they have a Super Bowl where they were blowing the doors off everybody? No. How about that super electric, always scoring Chiefs offense? Did they lose to Tampa Bay? Yes. Okay. So the offense isn't the only thing that matters, and running the score up all the time isn't always what's best. You uh, have to learn. Score, we haven't scored 30 you points have... in a game so far this season with your guru OC, so... 
Yeah, that Guru OC got the touchdown that put us in the position to win that game in the first place, Mike. He could have scored that touchdown in the second, third quarter, or early in the fourth. All right, if you're submitting your ticket to exit the bandwagon, I'm not let me know the, now. I'm not exiting the bandwagon. I'm holding my team to a higher standard because I'm not impressed with a 4-1 and one record with two barely wins over t- terrible, terrible NFL teams. If not for the double doink, we could lose that game in overtime. Now we're three and two. Mm. If not for Cam Dantzler, we're sitting at two and three with a loss to the Bears. Oh, how'd the Lions game go, by the way? Was that pretty freaking close, too? They got shut out. No, the Lions against us. I mean, it was close. Oh, okay. So uh, another dumpster fire team that we played down to their level. You say dumpster fire. They're the highest scoring team outside of last week against the Patriots in the league, Mike. That's it. Against other good opponents. They've always been that. They've always been a race to 50 team and they lose. So of course it was going to be fucking close. Context matters. I I disagree with you. And as with all the youth that we have 45 to 35, if you have an offense that puts up points with all the, and we don't need to put up 45. If we're winning the game, 30 to 25, you you can, (laughs) we, and we haven't done that. Have we outside of the Eagles game? If the water line is if the water line is 28 and we're at 28 and a half or 29 and the other teams at 26 consistently, you can win a Super Bowl that way. You can, sure. If 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 you want to follow the template of the 9 and 7 Eli Manning led New York Giants, that's fine. I'll follow the template of the really well-played football year-round, snap in, snap out, when it matters, New England Patriots and walk away with 6. This team is not playing good football. If you can't see that you should take off your purple. I don't glasses. think they're playing perfect football. They're playing far from good. I think they're playing good enough football to win games, and it's only going to get better as the season rolls on. Guys will get more Can't comfortable get in this scheme. We will have more on tape. Like it, It's just going to get better. I would much rather see KOC learn to win this way, and this is this is the other point that needs to be made. Plenty of coaches get hired out of that offensive guru Never called an offensive play, whatever. And they'll go into games. Look at Nathaniel Hackett. Would you rather have him? How impressive is he as the offensive guru for Russell Wilson, who before this season, everybody considered to be a much better quarterback than Kirk Cousins? The only gripe I've had with KOC thus far is I think we need to be scoring more points. He has some of the best weapons in the NFL. Yeah. And he's played cupcake defenses, and he hasn't put up more than 30 points in one game. That's that's my I'm not calling for his head. I am not saying that he should he should not have been our pick. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm a true fan and I'm holding us to a higher standard because that's where Vikings football needs to be, in my opinion. And we will get there. But you can't crucify the guy now at four and one. I'm not crucifying him. I'm saying I'm not impressed with your four and one record because you're a double doink away and a Cam Dantzler highlight play away from being two and three against poor competition. And that guy, by the way, last year folds up. He folds up. He gets stiff-armed. He stays on the ground. This year, he got up, pursued the play, and did what was necessary. Yeah, the defense bailed us out. Yes, they did. Yeah, the offense tried to bail us out all year last year, and it didn't happen. That's what I'm talking about. It's the inches. And by the way, that Bears game was close because we had the worst special teams day that we had had all season. All season long, easily the worst special teams day we had had. And that had been a leading unit for us in all the other games that we've played. Okay, so what you're telling me then is we've played great in two out of three uh, phases of football. And then one has let us down 
week by week. Some weeks it's the offense being stagnant. Some weeks it's the defense not being able to get a stop. Last week it was the special teams. Okay, if you can just button it up and make progress like all NFL teams aim to do throughout the season, the Vikings will be in a spot that is going to be just fine. We will win the NFC That's fine. North. You can have your just fine spot. I'm holding them to a higher standard. Do the Vikings have a Super Bowl, Michael? Nope. Okay, so f- how about let's look at progress over perfection and get a Super Bowl any way we can before we start holding ourselves to the standard the of The odds it, of getting of- a Super Bowl are much higher if you play good football instead of just winning by a double doink at the very end. Ooh, time to move on to the next topic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about the Dolphins game this week, and good afternoon or morning uh, to you as well. Gavin, thanks for tuning in, buddy. Hey, remember, folks, that the comment section is live, uh, both on Facebook and YouTube, correct, Gabe? No, we have to fix the YouTube thing that we didn't do last week that we talked about. Oh, so head on over to Facebook. Facebook, Yep, you can leave comments on the live. Gabe will get them up on the screen. Uh, You can ridicule Mike for, you know, hating winning or me for being looking through purple colored lenses, I guess. Accepting weak wins. Hey, better than no win at all. That is true. Now, how about this? Do we, sorry to to even um, dig this deeper at all, but I think it is a different subject. And Mm -hmm. I was really intrigued by it. When we spoke on the phone, we talked about, it was uh, was it the head coach who said the thing that this is a player led team? Yes. Well, it was reiterated by all p- pieces of our coaching staff during that pre- uh, during the Thursday pressers last week. KOC okay. said it. Uh, Wes Phillips said it. Matt Daniels said it. Do you guys believe that the day like is the day of the um, iron like the dictator coach truly done? Now that Zim is gone in Minnesota, yeah, but I, I think mean, there are still the certain. I think there are still certain systems where it can survive, and that's what I mean when I talk about culture, right? You look at Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is forever going to be the. If you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. If you're not, you know, if you're not doing your job, you won't play the hard nose, you know, rule with an iron fist type. And right now, as that has it, it in in most cases, it doesn't age well. But I think there are a lot of teams out there that. You know, I think uh, the Chiefs are pretty player-led with Mahomes and Kelsey. I think the Vikings are fairly player-led at this point. Um, and it all and it does matter what guys you have in the locker room as well. Look at Green Bay. Green Bay is a player-led system because they don't have an owner. It's really not about the structure there. It's about the guys in the locker room. And when you let a cancer like Aaron Rodgers walk around the way he does, yeah, every once in a while you're going to lose to a team like New York because that's just not enough. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting to me that they're just saying that openly sort of, but, um, or, you know, I mean, not that they're not saying it openly that, that the coach kind of defers to it that way. Yeah. You know, I get it, but it's also, I don't know. I can see some pitfalls with it, but like what? Well, anything in particular, like what you said with the, with the Aaron Rodgers type thing, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, the player led team thing is a great concept when you're starting the season out, when you're, you know, trying to put accountability on those men, right. You know, but at the end of the day, as soon as there's discord, um, you know, it can start getting ugly, I guess. So, yeah. so you know, I'd love to talk to maybe we should have a reef back on or something. I'm really curious to know what that locker room really looks like. And if this is the t- is if if he's the type of coach who can if it starts to, you know, wheels fall off. Right. can He assert himself and actually command their attention. Or is he just sort of of a nice egghead like yeah. a nice offensive egghead for sure? Remains to be seen, right? Yeah. We'd have to see them lose some games, which they're not doing, um, in order for that to be the case, which I'm more than happy putting that off. Calling Arif Hassan. Yeah. 
Come on back, bud. Yeah, that's we'll we'll plant him right in the middle yeah. of this argument between me and Mike when we're five and one next week, going into the bye, getting ready, getting two weeks to prepare for an awful Cardinals team, which will make us six and one. And and Mike, you know, will you speak to Nick again in the show? Are you open to having during the show? Yeah, him? that's fine. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. just making sure. All right, you want to talk about the uh, Vikings as they get ready to square off against the. Teddy, two-glove, and two-less Miami Dolphins? Yep. Uh, how do you think this one's going to play out, Mike? I think it's going to be a Vikings win, but I think uh, Skyler, who's actually starting a quarterback for them, yep. is going to look pretty good because our secondary is pretty bad. Okay. Um, and because it's the Vikings, I'm going to say it's a one-score game. Okay. Um, let's go 28-24 Vikings. Uh, I think Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle will give us fits. Is Hill going to play? He was he's been in a walking boot pretty much all week. Has there been an update I, on that? I know I Tua was ruled out I heard yesterday. That he is playing. I can look it up right now, but I yeah. believe that he is playing. Optimistic Tyreek Hill plays versus Vikings. Source says perfect. Um, Hill and Waddle are going to give us fits. Yes, the speed is tough for us to handle with the defense that we run. Um, Skylar Thompson was promising coming out of Kent State, even though he's a seventh-round pick. Okay. I would say he's not your average seventh-round pick. Um, so he gives me a little bit of anxiety because yeah. there isn't much film on him. Correct. Um, I think Raheem Mostert is going to have a good game. We've yep. had trouble holding him or bottling him up in the past. Their a defense, little bit different with him being in San Francisco in that offensive line versus what they produce out of the Dolphins. I'm not going to sit here by any stretch of the imagination and say that the Dolphins have the same caliber of line play that the Niners have. No, but they're not bad. No. Yeah, I would agree um, with that. And in with his speed, if you just give him a window, he can hit it pretty hard. Yeah. Um yeah, I'm 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 a little concerned though, to be honest, because looking at the matchups, their secondary is pretty good as well. Okay. Um I think it's gonna be a close game, uh, even with Skylar Thompson playing. Um which makes me think, well, what if their second string was starting? Or their first string was starting. Right. Which is, hey, that's, those are all valid questions to ask, but you kind of got to deal with what is in front of you, right? And you are right, I think, playing against a guy that there's not a lot of tape on. We see it with almost any rookie quarterback that gets playing time throughout the course of a season that isn't planned for. They look good for the first two or three weeks. And then this the ceiling kind of comes down on him a little bit as people do have Mike film. White, New York Jets last year. Right. So I think, yeah, he could look okay this year. Uh, for the Vikings fans that are looking for, hey, wh- is there any chance we're going to generate a pass rush at this point in the season? This is going to be one of Ed Donatel's better chances to show that because I think one of the things you can do to limit a rookie quarterback, and you tell me as the guy who played the position, um, moving his feet, getting him out of the pocket, making him step up, making him, him – uh, you know, throughout the course of the game, pull his eyes down to look at the rush instead of look for his receivers um, would be, you know, a positive. Yeah, it's all it's to me, it's all about confusion. Yeah. Right? So it's all about late movements, rolling after the snap, uh, disguising your coverages, having maybe his own blitz scheme where Daniel or Zarius actually drop and you bring an outside back or backer or a nickelback off the edge. Um, it's all about confusing that pre-snap read. So when he has the ball in his hands, he doesn't know what's happening. Okay. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean pressure, um, but pressure makes him make that decision with that confusing read faster. A little bit quicker. Um, knowing Ed Donatel and what we've seen those thus far this season, I don't expect a lot of pressure, even though that's logically what you should do in this situation. 
True. And one thing, by the way, that was encouraging that I did see in those pressers as well, and I know the Vikings missed on a couple because they just simply over-pursued where Justin Fields was able to step up, is they did address the fact, hey, listen, we got to get more pressure. Like, they're aware of some of their their flaws, and they're not shy about them, and they are trying to address them versus a lot of coaches will give you Coach Beak, hey, we just got to be better on defense. No, that Donald held pretty much zeroed in and say, hey, we got to have better pass rush. So they're aware. Um, where are the holes on the uh, Dolphins' defense that you think the Vikings will be able to exploit? Not a whole lot of holes. Um, if anything, I'd say the front seven. Um, this should be a decent game for Dalvin Cook. Correct. But then I look at KOC's system and how they've used Dalvin Cook those, so far this season, and it, it makes me concerned. Is Dalvin yep. going to go for another 74, and we're going to sputter a little bit because we can't throw the ball and mm -hmm. Dalvin Cook isn't working? Okay, um, That's something offensively I think we definitely need to work on is our running game. Um, Dalvin Cook is a top five back in this league. Correct. And so far this season, he has not looked like it. Now, is that blame on number four or is that blame on the guy with the headset calling the plays? Inside zone over and over and over with Dalvin Cook. I don't care if you have a jet sweep behind it as a window right. dressing. does not work. That's not who he is. Right. So, I don't know. I, th I think our best formula for success is Dalvin Cook having 130 yards on the ground, maybe a touchdown or two. Get Alexander Madison involved on the ground as well, 40 to 50. Have Kirk throw for 210 and two and win the game that yeah. way. Yeah. Um, I think eventually KOC with the run game will have to evolve away from what the Rams were. Right. And I think that's what we're seeing a lot of right now is that same window dressing, the same style of run that you were getting out of uh, when he was coaching in LA. However, if I were to make one adjustment to the Vikings offense, like, it's got to be putting CJ Ham back there to lead block in front of Dalvin in some of these situations. Um, and if we can see more of that, that will change things quite a bit. Even if you're starting him at a tight end position and you motion him into the backfield or you do whatever you got to do, you got to get CJ Ham out in front of Dalvin because they have a, a type of chemistry that, regardless of play call, as long as Cook knows where Ham is going to be, Cook's going to have a better chance than he would being out there by himself. Um, so that that is yet to come. Um, I would agree with you as far as not a lot of holes on the defense. I actually think that Adam Thielen and uh, Justin Jefferson are going to have a tough day uh, creating separation. You're probably going to see a little bit more Herb Smith, KJ Osborne in the past game this week. Um, Kevin O'Connell has actually become pretty good at running some of his top targets off as um, decoys. We saw it on the two of Alexander Madison's biggest plays of the season so far, pretty much spread everybody out, let them go, leak the back out of the backfield, you know, drag the tight end over the top after he checks, you know, the end and, and see if we can get any yards after catch. Uh, you said 28-24. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to say the Vikings crack 30 for the first time this year. The Vikings win the ball game 30-20. to 20. Alrighty. Not even a one-score game. Well, let us know what you guys think about the 4-1 and one Minnesota Vikings and their matchup against the Miami Tua-less Dolphins this weekend. Not just Tua-less, Teddy-less. Better give that man his credit. Mm -hmm. Teddy Two Gloves. I miss him. All right, moving on. Uh, we're going to switch gears into uh, Minnesota Wild opening their season this week. Tonight? Tonight. Puck drop is tonight? Against the Rangers. 
So uh, obviously me and you have kind of barked back and forth on some of these things with the Minnesota Wild as far as what the expectations are going to be for this year. So let's put that on the shelf. Let's take a look at the next three games, Mike. How do you foresee the Wild, uh, I guess, taking shape here in the early part of the season? And what do you want to see that could be telltale signs for success? To be completely honest, the the most logical approach to these three games, in my opinion, is going to be a one and two start. One and two start. I think the Rangers and the Avalanche are both better teams than us. Okay. Um, I'd like us to see a, a good win over the Kings. I don't think they're as good as we are roster-wise. Okay. Um, they're missing some speed pieces. You know, adding Fiala helps them in that aspect. Yep. Um, but I think we're a younger, faster team, and we should be able to get out and transition a little bit more. Would agree with you there. Um, I, I, I'm... I see a team that didn't improve in the offseason, yet their expectations are higher, which logically does not make sense to me. I think really good, deep playoff teams like the Rangers and Avalanche are going to eat us for their lunch. And and I think we start the season at home with a loss to the Rangers. I think all of our first three games are at home, believe it or not. Um, Things that I want to see in particular, I guess, in specific is being able to improve our power play over what we had last year. I think that was something, especially in the playoffs, that we struggled with a little bit. Um, So I'd like to see a stronger power play. And then just don't have the laps on defense. Last year, uh, especially in that Blues series, you could see that there there was a hole. And then the Blues just kept going back to it because we weren't getting, you know, we weren't putting a body there. Um, so avoid the defensive laps, the ability to make the adjustment. There's going to be some youth on this roster. Could it get ugly early? Win loss record wise? Yes. But I do think that the wild as deep as people do not think that they are at this current moment with some of the youth that they have come the all-star break are going to be better than people will suspect because there's going to be a lot of progress made. Um, Rossi made the roster. I believe he's going to be a third line guy, Boldy, um, Kirill, and then the Wild do still have the opportunity to go out and add a piece further on down the line. We'll have to see what um, Andre Flower looks like as he returns for his 80th season in the NHL. And if he can drink out of the fountain of youth a little bit, better chances than one might think. But I would agree with you. I think, you know, one and two or one, one and one would be right about where I see them to start the year. All right. We, well, we agree on something. I'm not unreasonable mm-hmm. when it comes to sports. Mike. All right. Let us know what you guys think about the wild three game home stretch to start the season. Yeah. Uh, kicking off tonight against the New York Rangers. Will you watch? Maybe. Okay. Maybe it's better than a no. I'll give you credit. That's bedtime. So it depends <laughs> on 7 PM is bedtime for you. What are you 40? For, I didn't say it was bedtime for me. Oh, bedtime for Ty. Is she coming on the show soon. I don't know. Got to ask her. <laughs> Uh, let's switch gears to our other winter sport here to the Minnesota Timberwolves opener preview. Yeah. Uh, they tip off tomorrow night, I believe. 19th, the 19th. Okay. Um, so that is coming up here. A couple of games, obviously that we're going to be able to watch for, uh, as the season does get underway. They did just come off beating uh, the Lakers last night. Um, in preseason, which was pretty good considering Ant went 2 of 12 um, from the field through the first three quarters of that game. So it is a plus to see them still be able to outscore teams without him being a focal point. Um, What are you looking for early in the season? Um, I mean, this should be a 45 to 50 win team. Yes. We said 54, right? That was our goal. Should we start a counter? 54? 
I think that's what we agreed on when we were or looking f- at the over-under. That seems high to me. We'll have to go back and look. Um, in order to basically set yourself up for success, you need to take advantage of weak opponents on your schedule. Yes. Uh, starting the season, we play the Spurs three times and the Thunder twice in our first, like, seven games. And an absolutely gutted Utah Jazz yeah. team. And then the Lakers. So... I mean, we should start the season pretty well. 10-0? and 0? Uh, I mean, <laughs> honestly, the only team that... There's a couple teams, you know, Suns, Bucks. Yeah. But other than that, there aren't a whole lot of teams that give us fits until, like, mid-November. So, yeah. Should okay. start pretty successfully. Um, really interested to see the Gobert-Cat dynamic. Yeah. In a regular season game. For sure. Preseason is similar to football, where it doesn't really mean much. There's a little bit more of starters than you would in the NBA than you do see in the NFL, but I would agree with you there. I think we're going to learn a lot about Chris Finch this year and the way that he plays those rotations. Uh, his ability to coach, I think, you know, from a player standpoint, the Wolves have everything that they need. Would you agree? Yeah. They have a top line scorer. They have a distributor. They have a rim defender. They have a bit. They have a stretch big. They've got a a defensive specialist. Like they've got what you need to make a run. It is going to come a down to Chris. Fin- yeah, a deep bench. It's going to come down to Chris Finch this year. 110%. Um, so interested to see how he does. I want to see what the defense looks like with Gobert and Cat on the floor as far as not those two specifically, but how do the other players play with Rudy on the floor? I don't want to see slack defense thinking they've got help side rim protection. I still want to see the nose up. You know what I mean? Getting in their grill, defending hard, and then if something leaks through, allow Rudy to come well, over yeah, and that, get to the and, that, and that's what that allows you, yep. right, is to play more on-ball press defense. So if you get beat, you have the defensive player of the year waiting for him. Yep. And then uh, also, by the way, a little footnote, encouraged by uh, the way that D'Lo did run the offense when he was in last night, it looks like he might be able to kind of slide into this distributor, game manager, you know, pass first point guard role that we've needed out of him for the last two years yeah i mean his stats are not going to really show it other than his assist numbers but right he's not the one two or three option on this team yeah and the sooner he realizes that the better yeah i think right now it's him setting up the offense for cat and edwards um and some of the other guys um as ant probably learns to initiate the offense on his own. I think that's the one weapon in his bag that he doesn't really have a good handle on yet. Um, So allowing D'Lo to be that guy is going to be a big plus for the Wolves. And it takes a lot of strain off him in other places as well. So I will not be here on the 20th. So I'm going to make my prediction for the next two weeks. Mm. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say we're sitting at four and one when I'm back in this chair on the 27th. There we go. There we go. With a loss to. I'm going to say lost the jazz undefeated. We should be. Mm-hmm. Should be. Mm-hmm. Gabe, are you excited for wolves basketball this year? I am open to watching. Yes. <laughs> open but, to yeah, watching. So I was excited. Um, I'm not happy with the, our young star who did that thing that we were. Not yep. Trying, yep. And that sort of bums me out because I was really excited about that guy. And uh, now it just seems like a moron. But um, so, yeah, that, that bums me. Like, for, I can't believe that that affects me. Like, yep. You know, but it does. I mean, you're a player hater. It comes with territory. I am a player hater, too. 
as or he they, just holds them to like the same standard as normal the human, human standards. Beings. Yep, exactly. But and yeah, when he's they, a player here. Not exactly. Like human Albert Pujols hit 700 home runs, and Gabe's like, "Fuck that guy." Yeah, he's no, a Cubs fan. No, he is right. I am a player hater. I can't totally deny that. But in this case, yes, I, I think I'm I'm justified. Yeah, I mean, Canelo Alvarez could knock out Jesus Christ himself, and Gabe would be like, "Wasn't worth it." He's not a fighter. Yeah, Jesus Christ never even gets in fights, so it's like that's he's a pacifist. a pacifist by nature. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, 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 yeah. You get the point I'm trying to make. All right. Well, like it, let's see the point you're trying to make and tell us what you think the rec- well, Wolves record is going to be. Undefeated. Through the first five games. Undefeated. Talking to the fans. Oh, yeah, because we have the thing, the comment section that they can use. Mm-hmm. Probably go type some words in there. No, me too? Not them. Oh, okay. All of them. Uh, yeah. Uh, then let's switch gears into our week five headlines. Yeah, I saw that. I uh, was that? not, nope, I was not aware of this. I'm also not surprised by it, and that guy can go fucking kick rocks. So how about this one? Yep, saw what? that too. Darn it. You guys, no fun at all. There's no dirt on NFL. Dirt on NFL. So basically, he's coming out firing. He says, you come at me, I will bring you all down. Yeah. This is kind of what we've been saying, though, along the lines of this, right? There's no way that he's the only problem. Right. You guys are a boys club. We're boys in a boys club right now, and we acknowledge that you guys are even more so of a boys yeah. club. It's preposterous. We could all bury each other. We barely even hang out. Yes. That's how men are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's just Absolutely. how it works. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no way that Jerry Jones is clean. There's no way Robert oh Kraft God. is clean. Right. Well, no we way. No Robert Kraft. Yeah, we already yeah. caught him in a massage parlor, but yeah. No, I mean, but he got to I return to his point. team. Deshaun Watson got a suspension. Right. Let's not open that can of worms right now. He owns the I team. I get it. I get it. I get it. And Deshaun Watson is like one more contract away from owning the city of Cleveland. So. That's true. <laughs> All right. Week five headlines, other than the ones that we were just talking about. Yep. Uh, Denver quitting on Russ and the Broncos. Did you see this live? A little bit. This was hysterical. Yeah. Oh, this was so good. I, I reveled in every minute of this. I... I actually went and got ice cream out of the fridge to watch this because I called it. There was no reason for Russell Wilson, if he was going to pick a team to wind up in Denver, that division is too tough. And he is a, he's like a, he's like a fighter after they've been paid. He doesn't want to get hit anymore. He has lost the very essence of what made him good in Seattle. And now it's coming out. We used to think that Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas were the crazy ones for being loud in the locker room saying that they wanted to leave. Now it seems like Russ may have been the problem the entire fucking time. No wonder they've turned their backs. The expect he came in and set the bar so high. Nathaniel Hackett set the bar so high. They moved Elway into GM, you know, into the president of operations role to elevate the standard of the team, to duplicate what they did with Manning. And they're not even close. They're not even close. We lost the card. That's okay. But we're not even close. Nathaniel Hackett is easily the worst coach in the NFL right now. Like, and it's, it's, it's by a mile. Situationally atrocious. The system doesn't work for the guys that he has. Russ can't execute the way that he used to. The defense might be the only saving grace on that team, and they're not all that good. If you were a Denver fan, what would, you, what would your message be to the team right now, Mike? Win close games. Because hmm, it does matter. Well, I mean, oh, okay. 
I have never once said that your win-loss record does not matter. But what matters over the long haul, the long 17-game season, is how you play the game. Because mm-hmm. if you play the game the right way, for all 60 minutes, when it matters, mm-hmm. the scoreboard will take care of itself. Oh, for sure. Don't disagree with you there. So if you're going to play bad football, like the Denver Broncos mm-hmm. and another team in the northern Stop. area of well, the, the Broncos, States Mike, don't played, do it. You got to find a way to win games early in the season. Yes. And especially against division opponents. Yeah. But honestly, like, I mean, they've been playing like every team super close too, right. Like the fact that they have one goal away from beating the Seahawks. They beat the San Francisco 49ers, who are probably the most impressive team in the NFC West right now. Correct. Easily. They're a field goal away from beating the Colts. Yep. Like, they're sitting at 4-1. Yeah. Just like that. So, this is what's weird about the NFL this year, is there's no... Who are the top three teams in the NFL? Power rankings right around the corner. Stay tuned. But my point is, you could make an argument for a ton of different teams to be jockeying for that one through five spot. For sure. And that's not normal. And that shows that the NFL doesn't have that top tier talent. The floor has been raised. Does. The floor has been raised, in my opinion. That's not parity. Oh. Isn't that what we always want? Parity. I mean, Mike wanted it. That's what Mike said he wanted. Every team feels like they have a shot. Bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing. But this isn't parity. This is watching good teams play bad football. Or maybe it's Tom. Well, Br- you guys, Tom Brady agrees with me. <laughs> One of the greatest Ah, football minds that has ever played in the NFL agrees with me that it's just bad football around the NFL right now. Watch the games. It's not good. Why? Why do you have 10 different teams making clock management issues in the fourth quarter when a 12-year-old that plays Madden knows to do better? I don't know why. Truly why? Yeah. I don't know why. It's bad football. I really don't know why. It's just bad. It's it's a Mm. bad product right now. This is one of the worst products other than the close games. The football on the field is a bad product right now. And one of the greatest minds who's ever played in the NFL agrees with me. So you can continue to argue. That's fine. Tom Brady also came out against Tom Brady also came out against like non like perimeter weapons wearing single digit numbers because it can, it made it hard to read a defense. Not everything that he says is That's God's gift to football. If you see an outside linebacker with the number 21, it's yeah. weird. Is that a drop down safety or is that an outside linebacker that changes your read? He's correct in that. And if you're watching the film, you know who that guy is. Well, I'm just saying. Do you guys think so? You know who the third string outside linebacker is in their dime package? No. Exactly. Uh you guys brought up Tom Brady. Did you see that he and Giselle hired divorce? Attorney? I did. What do you, does that change, like, so as a divorce guy who has kids. Hey, I can join that club. You You don't have uh, kids. Yep, you don't have kids. You can't, like, it's such a serious thing that I can't help but kind of look at him in this weird way. Because I've always erred on the side of, like, Mm -hmm. follow your passions. Yeah. But to go, was this really worth it, Tom? If if, if this is what, what broke it. We don't know. We'll never know or whatever. But, yeah, but it's, it's, uh, it's very odd to me, like. If he, I don't know. Tom's commitment to football is second to none. Well, and that's the whole thing, right? right. Since he was 17 years old, it's it's been football, period. Football is his number one priority in his life. And if Giselle went into that marriage thinking that she'd be able to change that priority. That's her fault. She was fooled. 
Yeah. Because this that. man hasn't even retired from the NFL yet. He's signed a 30 million plus dollar deal to become an announcer after his career, which is going to take him all over the country and have him watching film and doing research to cover the game the way that right. Like he's not going to be just out of the game. No. So I don't know what she would like. Honestly, I almost put the blame on her. I would too. It's kind of like you knew what you were getting I into. Mean, to be completely honest, when I went into my relationship with my now fiance, I told her straight up. I was like, I like to play video games. That's a thing that I do. So right now on well. our second date, if you're not okay with that for pretty much the foreseeable future, leave now. And anytime she ever says anything about it, I'm like, you knew I told you I our told second you. date. I play video games. Fair enough. Fair enough. This is, this is, uh, it is so weird to simultaneously agree with you and think you sound like monsters at the same time. She knew what she was getting into. She did. Hey, f- I'm sorry, but put she's the shoe. Like okay, a, okay, Gabe. Like a fucking a woman beater or something like. No, that. no, no. You knew I hit. Like, let's put the shoe on the other foot, Gabe. Yeah, yeah. Let's hey, put the well, shoe listen, on the other foot. No, notice I said I also agree with you at the same right. time. I'm just saying it. It's, it, it's probably not. a masculine view. It well, is. we can because, acknowledge that, because right? Because things change when you have children. Sure. That's my only point. You don't get to say. Okay, I agree to have children with you, but I ain't changing. You know what I mean? It's just not really reasonable. That's all. I mean, he had a kid when they got when him and Giselle got married. Oh, that's right. That's right. I would, I would have so yeah, she knew what she was getting into. Sure. Like, she knew what happened. There was literally contextual evidence. I ain't crying for her. You know, no, literally. But no, no, yeah. no. And like I said, and she's it, richer than he is, so and, she's not crying either. And the, yeah, oh, for no sure. Way. She's the most oh, successful supermodel in yeah. human oh, she history. Could, she could buy, no, she could buy Tom Brady three times over. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Look it up. It's I'm crazy. I'm going to look that up because yeah. I don't It's nuts. All right. I do believe she's super rich, but yeah. Yeah, but if you, like I said, if you put the shoe on the other foot, that would everybody would be cheering for Giselle because she's continuing to pursue her passions and you know what I mean. It's it's one of those things. What you, you have to take understand it. is I'm just making a play for Giselle right now, and I'm just hey. doing, I'm doing some white knight shit. There so Tom Brady is worth about 250 million. Game mm-hmm. Giselle is worth 400. Well, that's because Tom buys all the thing when they go out to eat. Oh, you think he's just bought? He pays for all the stuff, of course. Of stuff. Yeah, he pays yeah. for the groceries and, that's, and, and that's everything. Why. Yeah, yeah, that's why. Well, he also spends an, an obnoxious amount on his body and his brand. And yeah, but I don't, I don't think your expenses go against your net worth. He pays but I don't the think rent. that that's how that works. He pays the rent. He pays rent, right? I don't think they. I don't think they pay rent. And the last time when they got a dog, I think he. Oh, okay. Yeah, he pays for all the dog food. So yeah, that's two hundred <laughs> mil right there. Yep, for sure. Um, Last thing on the Broncos. At what point, if this continues, because they're going to, they got all they need this week to come out and maybe be able to at least stop the bleeding. They're going to play another primetime game. Okay. They are on a long week. They played on Thursday. Now they don't play till like Monday night or Sunday night. And it's against the division, and it's against the Chargers. So that's going to be in division opponent. If they lose this game, at what point? Because the even though the ownership did not trade for Russ, they recommitted to him by extending him and giving him a new deal. Do you start to look at Elway as the problem? And I swear to you with how involved Peyton was in trying to buy the team, if Elway goes, Manning is your replacement GM and Manning gets to pick his head coach. That would be crazy if they went to another star quarterback or like another legendary quarterback. In that that's goal. the but that's the that's the brand for the Broncos. I don't think Elway is a problem. 
I think the problem lies in one of your first things that you said is that Russ is not the Russ that they brought in. Okay. Elway, I think, is removed enough from the game timeline-wise for him not to have an influence on Russell Wilson. But if you bring Manning in, who within the last decade won Denver a Super Bowl, you're going to heat up the seat of Russell Wilson at least a little bit. Sure. But, like, why is it—was— Russell Wilson on a Hall of Fame career path in Seattle? The simple answer is yes. I'm sorry, but it is. It, if you take out the last two years, yes. yes. It's definitely If yes. you take out his last two years in Seattle, yeah. Okay, it's definitely yes. <laughs> so you're bringing in a future Hall of Famer to continue playing the way that he's basically yeah. been playing, and he's nowhere near that level. Okay. That's where the hot seat is. It's nowhere near Elway. I think Nick did make a really good point. You, but you've committed to him for seven years, you so you now you getting a Hall of Fame product. Doesn't matter. Now you got to do every. Matter. Now you have to do every. This is just like the Carlos Correa thing. When you signed him, you got to do regardless of if is if he is who he is or not because you committed your finances to him. You now have to build an ecosystem around him that will allow him to be as successful as he can possibly be. You've got him for seven years, damn near, with his contract extension. If Elway can't surround him with the right players, maybe Peyton can. If Elway can't hire the right head coach, maybe Peyton can. But you're through five weeks, and they're basically two field goals away from being four and one, and you're calling for the GM's head. Yes. Okay, so if we don't double Doink in London, and Cam Nansler doesn't strip Emir Smith Marset. That's call, the difference. You're calling for Quasi's head? It's the, it's, that's the difference between a first year GM and a guy who has repeatedly proven. And not only can I not what draft a first the quarterback, year head coach and a first year quarterback in the system. Yeah. So, so but, but the, who but the hired blame, the head coach? But the blame. Who hired the head GM. coach? Who put the trade through for the quarterback? I thought it was a good trade at Elway. the time. So did you. I did, but guess what? Now you have to deal. You can't look backwards. You have to look but forward. You can't blame a GM for bringing in a Hall of Fame. I'm not blaming him for bringing him in. But if you playing up to, is it not his job to assess that talent though? Because you know, I I would think he would be in a in a very good and position every to single sports pundit thought that Russell Wilson was going to be the catalyst to bring the Broncos over the top. Don't love me in that category. I did I not. That's true. I saw things like I'm not plugged in as you guys, and I feel like I saw criticism. Yeah, I'm not going to cite anything directly, but I would think Elway was an old quarterback. He knows what it feels like to be an old quarterback. He would have absolutely been in a position to go, "Hey, Ross, are you really in this? Are you really like wanting to play right now?" His ability to evaluate the quarterback position has been poor since he's taken the the position. Name a quarterback that Denver had even attempted to draft or got. And sat behind Peyton or anything that has panned out. Drew Locke was awful. Um, who's the guy that got the fat contract uh, when he was playing uh, in Houston after they won the Super Bowl with Peyton? Brock Osweiler. What about Paxton Lynch? That he can't evaluate the quarterback position. And the head coaches that they have chosen, while they have been good enough to run the defensive side of the ball, have been inept on offense. This falls on Elway. Well, here's the thing that Elway's been killing. There's no GM in the NFL who looks more like the mascot of his team than John Elway. I know Robert that's Kraft. Also true. Yeah, that's true too. Well, he's an owner, I guess. Great horsey yeah. mouth. Great. All right, Packers lose to the Giants in London. Uh, can we give a small round of applause for Brian Dable figuring out how to win games without 
three of his top four wide receivers, without both of his top corners, with a young offensive line, a recovering Saquon Barkley, and Daniel fucking Jones. Good for New York. First of all. Second of all, I told you so, I told you so. The Packers are bad. They're with Aaron now firmly in the I run this shit seat. Nobody can tell me anything. There are they are headed downhill at a rapid pace. They beat the Bears by 17. They are headed downhill at a rapid pace. Are they, they beat the Bucks? Do they still have a knockout punch? Yes. It's going to be harder and harder and harder for him to for them to reach back and find that every week. Well, guess what? They play the Jets and Commanders next two games. They're and the Jets might beat be them. Sitting, they're probably going to be sitting at 5 and 2. Jets might beat them. They might. Sauce could eat could lock up because Dubs of, because a team who's a perennial powerhouse in the NFL is playing bad football this year. That's why they might beat them. I they have been a perennial powerhouse and sometimes I think is it, it is important to know when to say when. They're sitting at 3 and 2 right and now. And I'm saying when on the Packers. Okay. I don't think they may get into the playoffs. They're not winning the division. Well, the Giants were basically two batted balls at the line of scrimmage away from losing that game too. If did you watch the game live? I watched the end of it. Okay. He was baited into pulling up and he was baited into pulling up instead of taking off and making those throws. Those defenders played that perfectly. That's good coaching. Okay. Just saying. Just saying. One of those gets through, and the Giants are in a whole lot of trouble when we're talking about this in a totally different light as the Packers are tied with the Vikings for the division lead. It's 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 gonna be tough because it, yeah, this early in the season is hard to get like legitimate separation in any division. But minus Devontae Adams, my next question is kind of like the thing with Elway. Without a top weapon, do you think Matt LaFleur is capable enough to get them where they need to be as the Packers head coach? I don't think he has to be capable enough. He has 12. I'm sorry, but as a Vikings fan, you have to look at him and say he's one of the most talented quarterbacks you've ever seen, period. I would agree, but it, and it's the fact more is, than just talent, Mike. But throughout his entire career, he's never had the only first-round pick he's ever thrown touchdowns to is Jermichael Finley. Yeah. So he's never had a true, like, stud receiver from beginning to end. He, Devontae. Who did the Patriots take for Peyton in the first round? Or the, the Colts? Who did the Patriots take for Brady in the first round? Has the Chiefs drafted a single first round? Oh, they got one this year. Sky Moore, first round. When you're that level talent of a quarterback, you don't need first round weapons. Okay, so thank you for proving my point. They'll be just fine. But he's not that talent anymore is what I'm saying. Okay. So Matt LaFleur then has to make that ground up. Is he capable of making that ground up? I'm just saying you're speaking bad about Aaron Rodgers in week five. Yeah. Many, many, many people have made that mistake before. Well, now he's got a banged up thumb. So they're going to struggle to air the ball out even more. Watch him throw for 300 against the Jets. All right. What's next? Matt Rule fired in Carolina. Was, I, this, was this surprising to you? No, no not at all. Because I told you last week, the fault, the fault doesn't lie on Baker's shoulders. It lies on that man's. I literally said that to you. It is his fault. And then like two days later, he got fired. Sure. It's almost like I know what I'm talking about. I'm not saying that Matt Rule isn't a great head coach. My point was Baker's a bad quarterback. He's not as bad as he's been making him look. He's definitely a serviceable NFL starter. That's a stretch. You think Davis Mills is good? 
He is. Look oh, at man. his numbers. Mm-hmm. Look at how close he— Who has the most completions since 2012 in the NFL? Uh, probably Baker Mayfield. No. Who? Who has the most completions in don't the know. NFL since 2012? I don't know. Matthew Stafford. Okay. Why? Because his team has been behind forever. Sure. And they throw the ball, and his stats look good. Davis Mills plays on a poor football team that's typically down, and so his stats are going to look good. Teams play off coverage. Mm -hmm. They're just going to make you waste the clock. You're up by 14 with five minutes left. Yeah, you can drive down and score this touchdown and add 80 yards to your pass total and a touchdown. We don't care. That's how that happens. He's been in more close games than you would like to admit. And I would, if you pulled NFL GMs today, a one score game, who would you rather have? Who would you have? Who would you rather have? I guarantee if we pulled NFL GMs, who would you rather have? Davis Mills or Baker Mayfield for the next three years? There would be an overwhelming amount of them that would choose Davis Mills over Baker because it's not just the talent. Because his ceiling is higher as Baker has reached his ceiling, but you can have a successful NFL season. A successful NFL team with Baker Mayfield as your quarterback. No, you can't. Yes, he's can. a cancer to the locker room with the way that he operates as a person. All right. <laughs> and that does detract from your ability or talent because you have to have guys that want to go play for you, that want to go the extra inch, the extra mile, give the extra effort, take the extra rep. Guys aren't doing that for Baker. I can promise you that. All right. Okay. Last, uh, they weren't we, doing it for Matt Rule, that's for sure, and that's why he's out. Yeah, well, and also, I will say, a little bit of a hair trigger from David Tepper, the owner of the Panthers. The 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 Lions started this trend in, hey, we're firing head coaches midseason, and once you get on that carousel, it's hard to get off. Because now they're going to wind up, what, they got to bring in an interim head coach, and then if they don't give that interim head coach the job, when you start interviewing for these jobs, guys are less and less likely to accept your offer because they know that the lease is very short, and you're just shortening the list of opportunities that you're going to get. And the only guys that are like, yep, sign me up for that job, are the guys that know that they're probably a little underqualified for the position to begin with. So Carolina is playing with fire. All right, let's move on over to the NBA. Go ahead. Uh, there's a new prospect we want to talk about. Yeah, do you want to go ahead and try this name? Victor Wembenyama. Wembenyama? Wembenyama. So, um, this guy's an absolute fucking unicorn. Mm-hmm. Gabe, have you heard about this guy yet? I think we watched video of him a little bit ago. No, wait, he's a foreigner, huh? Yes. So, he's from France. He played on the uh, EuroLeague team this year with Rudy Gobert and one other player. I can't remember who it was. Um, standing next to one another, by the way, that is not an edited image. Uh, Rudy Gobert is six two or seven two. Victor Wembanyama is seven foot four, and he shoots the ball like Kevin Durant, like a pure stroke. This is what everybody thinks that Chet Holmgren is: is Victor Wembanyama. This guy averages four blocks a game. He's got a great handle. He's throughout this point in his career, still very young. Kids like sixteen, seventeen years old. He doesn't have any form of injury history. I think he's eighteen. 16, two minutes, 16-year-old Pofino. Oh, yeah, from 2020. October 18th, 2020. You're right. So he'd be 18 now. He's going to be the top pick in the NBA draft this year. What do you think this kid's ceiling is, Mike? I think in five years, you're going to see the top two players in the NBA be Chet Holmgren and Victor Wembanyama. Yeah. In five years? Yeah. In five five years from now, you'd take Chet over Ant. Hmm. 
Ant's comments like bump him down a little bit. Stop it. As a basketball talent, you would take. I think Chet has a higher ceiling because of his length and size. Yes, I think he could be more dominant in a game. I think Ant is a like, Ant is not a unicorn. There are no. ants. Yeah, ants. Absolutely. What Ant is this generation's Dwayne Wade. We've seen this before. Yeah. Chet Holmgren and Victor, we have not seen that before. Durant. Um, closest thing we've ever gotten. Yeah, Actually, but Durant doesn't play the as like he doesn't play as a big like they will. Uh, averaged 1.7 blocks per game last year. That's like less than half of four. Uh, yeah, but he's also not playing in the NBA. All those guys' block numbers drop when they get to the NBA. Did you just say that that we haven't seen this before? Sorry to, sorry to a break seven foot four athlete who can shoot threes who can shoot three no, are, are you a little t- guy named Manute Bull? Yeah, I knew that's who you're <laughs> how about Bull <laughs> Bull who's in the league right now yeah and can't he's doing find his way he's on the floor he's, he's, not, he's not he's not a shadow of the old man but which okay never mind I'm gonna divert but the uh 49 three points sunk by Manute Bull yep. 49 three pointers and that's uh, and he wasn't allowed to do it he just did it because he was a stud. He was just held back because it was a, it was like racism, except it wasn't racism. It was against Sizeism. people shooting three. Sizeism, yeah. yeah. Victor, mm-hmm. I'll do that in a month. I was going to say, give him 15 games and he'll have 49 three-pointers hit. Give him 12 games and he'll be injured for life. Look at him, he's a stick. If you, it's weird. I thought the same thing when I went to go look at him, and then I watched him because this that's a video clip here. The 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 way that he moves around. Like he's like almost got like that Lamar Jackson thing about him where he finds ways even in contact situations to avoid like the big the big contact, like the big like the brunt of the force. I think this kid's gonna be healthier than people would expect, if I'm being totally honest with you. Where do you want to see him go? What what team needs him the most? Because everybody's gonna tank to get to the number one overall pick. But who should it be? Cavs. Really? You can play him right next to Evan Mobley and just have the tallest team in NBA history? Well, who did they just bring in? Uh, Why are the Jazz gutted? Oh, yeah. They brought in um, Donovan Mitchell. And they still have Colin Sexton, don't they? You put him with them? That's a playoff team. Miami. Mobley at the four. Miami? I'd love to see him in Miami. He's not physical enough. He won't fit in. Uh well he's too white collar. Could tra- yeah, I suppose. You could probably uh you could teach him that, but hey, you know what? This could be the Knicks chance. They have Obi Toppin though. I mean he's at, at the four, four and yeah. then you got RJ Barrett at the three. Yeah. There you go. They would, and they would, signed would, uh, would a would a foreigner crumble under the pressure of New York basketball. Christoph Porzingis sure as hell didn't make it. Nope. I love hey, he's flourishing in Dallas. <laughs> it's my favorite band, Gabe. Well, <laughs> oh geez, bad news. What? I just found out Manute Bull is dead. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. So I got to take a minute. You guys keep on. <laughs> so you so you say Utah? You think or Cleveland? I think. I mean, it's a decent fit, right? I mean, he he needs guards that can move, but I I just don't see him fitting into like an isolation type system like Miami. Right. The only other place that I would like to see him go, and it's not for his own sake, it's for the sake of the guy that's already there. For the love of God, Portland, go get the number one pick. Actually, you know what? I'm going to revise my statement. I want him to be the next great big under Popovich. You know what's funny? Because they're so bad this year, 
and what they got back in return for DeJounte, that DeJounte Murray trade, that is feasible. Mm-hmm. That would be wild. Can you imagine making him like in that Tim Duncan system? But Tim Duncan's like the Duncan's, assistant head coach over there right now, Expanding Duncan's range to beyond the three-point line. He's just banking threes in yeah. his entire career. That'd be wild. That would be absolutely wild. Got more news. Isn't Greg Popovich dead? No. no. Oh, okay. I stand corrected. <laughs> Gabe's just reeling back there. He doesn't know what's real anymore. All right. Um, speaking of reeling, Jordan Poole is reeling because of an altercation that happened in practice. Why don't you walk us through that? Yeah. Um, so all I really have to say about it is he's the guy. Draymond Green is a detestable individual. I don't like anything about him. He has ventured into Aaron Rodgers territory for me. And I don't know at what point. Steve Kerr is going to go, what the fuck are you doing? How many times are you going to allow this wrecking ball to almost derail a dynasty? We just were talking about all these head injuries in the the NFL. You think that that didn't cause one or it couldn't have with the way that it transpired and had permanent effects on what is going to be the future of your front court after Stephen Curry leaves in Jordan Poole. I understood it when it was him kicking people in the nuts in the playoffs, but he was a defensive player of the year candidate. I understood it when this was a a team that was no matter what with Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Steph on the floor going by themselves, going to be able to make the NBA Finals, and he was cussing out Kevin Durant. But Draymond Green no longer has the level of talent and productivity on the floor to sweep actions like this under the rug. I would ha- I would have cut him. Well, oh, how that's... about the fact that he actually covered for him? Did like does Steve Kerr is his because Steve Kerr is Mr. Sensitivity in the NBA, right? Like he cries when there's shootings. Mm-hmm. He's he's outspoken with that stuff. I was personally I was surprised. When he came out and said, look, there's been 20, you know, I've seen 20 of those in 30 years. He absolutely downplayed it. He's trying to, he's covering his ass. What do you read into that as? Like, I mean, are they? Kerr is in a unique position because he got punched in the face by Michael Jordan. Right. So. And he knows it was his fault. Yes. So I'm going to say this. I bet Jordan Poole didn't say hi, Draymond. No, I would agree with that. But the other piece of this is you watch that clip back, you you know who Draymond is if you're part of that coaching staff. There were two coaches standing beside them when this happened. One of them walked over with Draymond Green. The minute that Jordan Poole pushed Draymond away from him, both of those coaches should have stepped between it. But instead, they let it happen. Sometimes, I mean, here's the thing. If they pull him away, it's still an issue. Of course, it's still an issue. Now that they've gotten it's it It's going to be an issue now. You'd be surprised. Has there been any word on what the dude said or like what they were John about? I actually can't believe that that hasn't leaked. No. Well, I get, well, that's I, the thing is the video of the, the, the whole altercation wasn't supposed to leak. Yeah. Well, sure. But that's why I'm saying if that gets out, you would think that the chatter would too. But, they won't but let yeah. it get out. Not, yeah. not especially now after the video has gotten out and they know that there's a leak. 
Who's the guy that reports for the who reports for the NBA? Jalen Rose. Mm-hmm. He's one of them. Um, Jalen Rose is close with both of them. He grew up, you know, watching you know Michigan State, Draymond Green guy, and then he knows he's known Jordan Poole since childhood, and he's already reported no matter what's going on that 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 relationship is irreparably damaged. Oh, it's probably irreparably two. damaged before this, though. That's my whole point. Is I'm sure they didn't go into that practice on with, the greatest with of terms. Just candor. Yeah. Like uh, something like this is definitely 50 50. Oh, so, for sure. And that's why Steve Kerr isn't taking sides because he's the leader of all of these men and not just Jordan Poole and not just Draymond Green. He needs his job is to bring them together and have them be a cohesive unit. How'd that turn out when he tried to do that and just kind of let this whole thing play itself out with Kevin Durant? Kevin Durant wound up going to a different city. Did they win a ring? Did they win a ring? Yes. Okay. Could they well, have won? It was pretty could successful. They, for the guy that looks at the future, could they have won more rings with Durant and without Draymond? Did they yes. win a ring this year? They absolutely could have. Did they win a ring this year? Did Draymond Green contribute? Did the Warriors no. win a ring this year? Yes. Okay. Did Draymond Green Did contribute? Did Kevin Durant? No. Okay. Did Draymond Green contribute? Did he play decent defense when they no. needed him to? Yeah, they, yeah, he did. No. Okay. There were stretches in there where he was downright atrocious. I would have yeah, rather had, like game four. I would have rather had Ben Simmons. Oh, stop. All right. Well, we have that great sports mind going into our next segment, NFL Power Rankings 2.0. You're going to give your teams 10 through 1, and I'm going to give you rebuttals. Yeah. So let's hear teams 10 through 7. I got a lot of flack for my last one. Kind of hard to do off of two weeks since we don't do this weekly. So whenever Gabe is ready, we can jump right into yeah. NFL Power Rangers 2.0. Yeah, actually, give me a second, and I'm going to distract you guys with something because I've been watching something, and I've been obsessed with it. I want to know if you guys have seen it. Mm. Have you seen um, – uh, what's it called? Um, Winning Time. I have not Winning watched Time. it yet. You Mike have Mike has seen it, yes. You would be blown away at how much Magic Johnson likes to go down on women. Um it is so weird to see this stuff of these people who you have known and heard of, like the way they're portraying them. I, I can't even, if, if this is truly who they are, like I, it just blows me away. Like you've got to watch it. I mean, it's very good. It makes me love Jerry Buss. There's an interesting skill in this life of ours that many people don't have. Mm-hmm. Compartmentalization. It's separating the people from what they do. So Magic Johnson is one of the greatest NBA players of all time. He's also an extreme, in my opinion, sex addict or was. Some people have that. Yeah. Don't look at me. So, I mean, you you have to separate like OJ Simpson was a great NFL running back. (laughs) Yes. Horrible person. Ray Lewis, great NFL linebacker. Not a great person. Aaron Rodgers, great person, not a great NFL. No, I'm just See, I am aware of this, guys. Just yeah. to let you know, but but it's just it is the show's bananas. You got to watch it. it, uh, it I'll have to is, take a look. It's great. So, I'll have to take a look. That's the HBO one, right? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. I Jerry, paid for Jerry, HBO for it. Jerry Buss in that one it is awesome. I love Jerry Buss. Yeah, now. it's uh, Genie was just on with Rich Eisen the other day. Really? Yes. I love that whole family now. Me too. All right. We have music there, Gabe. Sure. 
we can get underway here. Anybody that you are expecting to be on this list? No. All right. All right, let's start. NFL Power Rankings version 2.0. At number 10, I've got this as a dead tie because it's splitting hairs. Both of these teams are playing great football right now, but they are incredibly hurt, so I'm very interested to see what it's going to look like. They're hurt in different areas, but I'm incredibly interested to see what it's going to look like as they get healthier. When the Dolphins get Tua back, and as the Giants get some of their pieces back, both of them with first-year head coaches, what is that going to look like? But as of right now, Looks like they'll be better than a lot of teams in the league. So I do have a dead tie between the Miami Dolphins and the New York Football Giants at 10. Okay? Uh, at number nine, I do have the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, we all know that they have flaws, but they can and have proven that they can win ball games close. And the roster itself, on the way that it's grading out, uh, and a lot of the reports that you're hearing from guys that are a whole lot smarter than us when it comes to covering this sport say that Minnesota is a legitimate threat not only to win the NFC North, but to win a playoff game this year as they continue to get better. So at nine, I do have the Minnesota Vikings. At eight, I have the Dallas Cowboys. Um, Dallas being able to do what Dallas has been able to do minus their quarterback in Dak Prescott and proving this year that they can um, you know, kind of slightly shift away from the Ezekiel Elliott era into something that is a, t a tad bit more Tony Pollard dominant. And the defense has stepped up under Dan Quinn has been impressive. So I have them at eight. Uh, I do want to see, obviously, this test that they're going to go up against this week against Philadelphia, who I think is the true barometer for a lot of teams uh, this week. And then Philly's fall. Yep. And then number seven is the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, I would have had them a little bit higher. Um but there's just something that doesn't seem right with Cincinnati this year. I kind of said this when we went through the original power rankings. They've got all the right pieces, but the fact that they spent all that money on the offensive line and then they pretty much brought back everybody, every other weapon on offense and defense and don't look nearly as good today as they did during their playoff run. I don't know if anything like alarming is up, but I'm not putting them in my top five. And they just lost to Baltimore which is going to be on this list here. Yeah. All right, so, Mike, rebuttals from picks 10 through 7. Uh, the Giants are not playing good football. That's laughable. Uh, NFC East, best it, division in football. Okay, well, that's the mind that's bringing you these power rankings. Uh, Dallas Cowboys, yeah, it's been impressive, but they're basically a Micah Parsons show right now. Yes. Um, and teams are going to figure that out. Uh, Cincinnati is, I think that's pretty accurate for Cincinnati. Uh, they're a Joe Burrow being himself away from being in the top five, because okay. that's what I've been seeing lacking is his creativity in the pocket and his creativity in uh, extending plays has not been at what, what it was last year. Just so you're saying he's almost like just expecting just the offensive well, line to do confidence is where it was okay. where uh, in that playoff run. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something, you know, coming back from an injury. You're going to see that start to form in October, November here as we progress through the season. Okay. Skipped over the Vikings there, I noticed. Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, they're they're probably where they should be. All right. Um, based on their record, they're a top five team, but that's nowhere near accurate. Um, I'd probably say nine or ten for the Vikes. All right. Awesome. All right. Let's go through six, five, four, and three. There we go. Uh, so at number six, I have the Baltimore Ravens. Obviously, they just came off that win over Cincinnati close. Um, 
The only cause for concern as far as me putting them higher on this list is still that defensive secondary. They do seem to get torched in big moments, um, and they do lack a legitimate wide receiving threat. I think when you square up against a team like the Buccaneers, who's going to have the linebacking capabilities to take away a Mark Andrews, muddy the offensive line, slow up the run game, Baltimore is going to struggle a little bit. Um, but they they did beat the Bengals. They have been who they have always been, which is a top-of-the-league type team, so I have them at six. Okay, At number five, I have Philadelphia. This is where I think there's, at five, is where there's a little bit of separation. They've got, they are very aware of who they are. Their coaching staff is confident. I like the mindset. The fact that Jalen Hurts came out uh, in his presser the other week and was like, 5-0, and oh, I don't want to hear it because nobody wanted to talk about us when we were 2-5 and five last year. That's a chip-on-the-shoulder kind of team that will win you some football games when you come in every week with bad intentions. Obviously, they're going to have to stand up against Dallas, who defensively is playing good football this week or has this year, and they're going to square off this week. Um, the only thing that I think is missing from having them leapfrog some other teams or make progress is I do want to see their ability to come from behind. Can they be down 10 points in the second half and come back against a good football team to really cement them as like a top three team in the league? So I have them at five. Uh, number four, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What they have been able to do with all of the injuries that they have sustained and the guys that they are missing has been impressive. I know they lose to Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay, but like I said earlier, I think Green Bay has, like any good fighter, has a knockout punch in their arsenal, and they just found it on that day. And it was an off day for the Bucs. Other than that, they've been a good football team all year. Okay? Then we have the 49ers at number three. This is the most complete roster in the NFL outside the quarterback position. They've got a pass rush. They've got great interior defensive linemen. The fact that that safety that they drafted in the fifth round, what is his name, Mike? Ah, you might want to look that up. But he's been flying around the field looking like Troy Polamalu for them, coming out of nowhere. Jimmy G is back in a system where he is comfortable. Debo Samuel is still Debo Samuel. Oh, and by the way, we have not seen hide nor hair from an injured George Kittle to this point in the season, so they are going to get even better on offense at some point. I got the Niners at three, Mike. Your rebuttals? Is it for Fonga? Yes. Hmm. Uh, Eagles are pretenders. Oh. Um, I mean, look at four of their first five wins. Lions. Are they? Are the Lions a playoff team, Nick? No. Are the Commanders a playoff team, Nick? No. Are the Jaguars a playoff team, Nick? Possibly. Are the Cardinals a playoff team? No. Okay. So four of their first five wins are against non-playoff teams. Yep. Um, they are benefiting from a cupcake schedule thus far. For sure. I see them losing to the Cowboys. And then it, the cupcake resumes. Uh, Steelers, Texans, Commanders again. So mm -hmm. I think the Eagles are going to be with that team that's 12 and 5, and that's really, really not good when the playoffs come around. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Bucks, it's tough to agree. Um, tough to disagree? No, it's tough to agree on that one. Uh, looking at, you know, lose to the Chiefs, lose to the Packers, and then you mm -hmm. barely beat the Falcons, who are a bottom feeder team. Yep. Um, outside of week one, I haven't seen anything really impressive out of Tampa Bay, but again, now they have the Steelers. Then they have the Panthers. Um, I mean, they're going to be sitting at what? Five and two. So that's, that's kind of the weird thing about the NFL this year. And it proves my point is that these good teams that have these good records yeah. are not that good. Are we seeing the, sh the polar shift, Mike. Of, seeing, 
I mean, every every once in a while, you'll see franchises that have been perennial just kind of dip, and then they'll be replaced by some teams at the bottom. Is this the start of that? Possibly, but I really think that it boils down to the product of the football that you're seeing league-wide. Like, you have your number three team in your power rankings losing to the Packers. My number three team is the Niners. Or number four team. Yes. Lose, and they lost to the Packers two weeks ago. So it's like, I don't know. The Packers are not, aren't on your top ten at all. No, they're not. So, I don't know. I think it just shows that the good teams don't play great football. They just win games. I mean, some people will say results are what matters. I'm my point is the stuff that gets you the result that you want is going to be more important over the long haul. And the Niners are probably the one team that's showing that they're okay. playing good football. And they the are. results are speaking for absolutely. Themselves. All right, let's get to the top two. You know who they are, Mike? Yeah, of course. Oh, okay. So at number two, I have the Buffalo Bills. Um, I would have them at number one. I know I said earlier in the show that they have the worst record in one-score football games over the last two years, and I think that's what they lack, a solid running game and the ability to win close. Now, I will say this, they are also talented enough to blow the doors off 90% of the league, so how often are they going to be in situations where they need to win a close ball game? Not very frequently, um, but that is what's going to make the difference you know, between them and who I have at number one in the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs might be the only team in NFL history that offensively, structurally, depth-wise, got better getting rid of a weapon like Tyreek Hill. Patrick Mahomes has separated himself into a different echelon of talent at the quarterback position now that Tyreek is gone. His ability to distribute the ball to multiple targets, run the offense effectively. I mean, Travis Kelsey doesn't even need to rack up a ton of yards. Four touchdowns on 25 yards, Mike? That's pretty good. That's knowing when to use your most valuable weapon. It's Kyle Rudolph-esque. Yep, and that defense, you give me Chris Jones and then build an ecosystem around him, that defense will hold up. So I got them at number one. It's going to be real interesting this week to see them square off against one another. It's just interesting. Um, Yeah, Bills have blown teams out three of the first five games. Yes. Uh, their one loss is in Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, Close game. And Miami's a playoff team. Yes. Who's Kansas City's one loss against? The Colts. The Colts. Are the Colts a playoff team? Are they on your top 10? You know. So which loss is worse? I think everybody has a bad day at the office. And I think. Did they have a bad day against the Raiders winning by one point? Raiders aren't up there, are they? They are not, but I will say this. The Raiders combined losses this year are a total of 17 points. So it's not like they're a bad football team. They just can't get it across the finish line. They're playing everybody close. Sure. Well, speaking of that Bills-Chiefs game, we have a little bit more on that later. Uh, Let's touch on an AFC West matchup as we move into week six here. Yeah. Uh, Broncos at Chargers Monday Night Football. I guess the big question here is going to be, have the Bills done enough to avoid what happened to them? Last time around. Are the Broncos? Oh, sorry. I have the Broncos Chargers. Are the, yeah. I'm looking at the wrong set of notes. It's been a long day. I've been up since five. Broncos right Chargers. here. Yeah, Broncos Chargers. Well, then I guess the question will be is, has Denver made enough changes to stop the bleeding, or is this shit 
only gonna get uglier. I think their offense is anemic, and I think the problem is number three right now, and, and the coach, and it's. I think it's Russell's willingness to play the game the way it should be played. Yeah. Um, I think you made a really good point earlier. He's like a fighter that got paid. He doesn't want to get why, hit anymore. Why would he risk his body at this point? Um, so I'm going to say Chargers 24, Broncos 13. Their offense continues to look anemic. Yeah, I definitely I have the Chargers winning, and we're going to go ahead. If the Broncos lose this game, is their season over? Because here's the interesting thing. With Sean Payton, who obviously wants to get back into coaching being available. If Denver loses this game, Carolina has already fired their head coach, so they're free to look wherever they want. Do the Denver Broncos risk losing the opportunity to go out and get the head coach that might be able to fix this in year two? I think the main problem is the way that Russell Wilson has been playing football games. So mm-hmm. something around that needs to change. If that's the motivator, if that's who's leading the team as the head coach, sure. Um, I don't know. I mean, I made the joke a long time ago. Hackett can't hack it. So no. Nathaniel can't hack it. All right. Yeah. So I got the I got the Chargers winning that one. Yeah. Pretty two, pretty two touchdown easy. game, really. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, what uh, Denver's got three touchdowns in five weeks bad bad offense mm-hmm. not good. real bad not good real bad what's next cowboys at eagles Woo! who else is football. excited to watch this game uh i never like watching the eagles i will be glued to my television don't call me don't text me don't ask me to hang out i'm watching this game okay and what are you gonna be watching most importantly i'm gonna be seeing if that offense can hold up against dallas's defense no it can't. Se- it can't. It can't. Secondly, I want to know if Cooper Rush can even keep it close against Philly. If he can. If Dallas somehow ekes out a win here, which you think they're going to do, mm-hmm. you, you can't go back to Dak even if he's healthy next week. You're looking at a guy who is career 6-0 and and just took out the only undefeated team in the NFL. Now you do have a quarterback controversy. But that's that's the way the Cowboys operate without Dak, right? Is yes. It's definitely more of a team-reliant effort. It's more defense, run the ball, control the clock. This is what they were when they were good with him in his rookie year. Yep. What changed? Dak has shown that he can throw 35 touchdowns and 4,000 yards. So why would but you not use that But they don't need weapon? him to. This is, it's, it's crazy. It's And that's what's wild because – if Dallas wanted to be a Super Bowl contender, they would say, yep, we're going to line up and run the ball. They would follow the Niners yes. strategy, right? Yes. They they have the personnel to do so. They would form into that team instead of more of like a Packers-esque. Which is funny because the whole narrative when everybody was like, pay Dak, pay Dak, pay Dak, is everybody was like, Dak is closer to Pat Mahomes than people think. I think Dak is closer to Jimmy G than people realize. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Dak Prescott is the Southern Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Right? Got to run it. Got to play good defense. Got to be efficient. When you send him back there 40 times a game, it, you're flipping a coin on whether or not you're going to win or lose a ball game. Agreed. Agreed. But that's not going to happen on Sunday night. Cooper Rush is going to throw the ball 17 times, <laughs> and the Cowboys are going to win. Really? Yep. 
You think that uh, they'll be able to move that defensive front around with Jordan Davis? 27-20 Cowboys. Ooh, I had this as a little bit more of a low-scoring affair. Uh, I think I had this one at – I forgot to write this down, but I was looking at the over-under earlier in the week. I think I had it something like 17-24. Well, let's look at it. What's the over-under? Cowboys-Eagles. I had the under. 42. Yeah. Yeah, at seventeen twenty one or seventeen twenty four. Well, I'm I'm slightly over. Okay, twenty seven twenty. That's five points over. Fair enough. That's not bad. Bills Chiefs game of the week. One Definitely the two. game of the week. One versus two. Yeah. I, go ahead, break this down there, quarterback man. I mean, it's going to be a race to fifty or a race yeah. to forty. Uh, it's at, at Arrowhead. Tough place um, to play. Josh for Allen has a nice chip on his shoulder with how they ended the season last season. Yep. I think Josh Allen has 350 yards. I think he has three or four touchdowns, maybe one on the ground, and the Bills lose by four points. So we're going to see. Oh, I'm going to go 38-35 Chiefs. Okay. It's Arrowhead. It's Patrick Mahomes. Chiefs find a way. They always do. You know what? I'll buy that because I still think that this offense has not reached its fever pitch. I really don't. I think Juju Smith-Schuster and some of those other weapons are still getting acclimated. Yep. So. All right. Well, that's uh, it for this week's NFL key game preview. Let us know if there are any games that we missed or any opinions on the games that we talked about. For sure. You so we are going to rent through MLB playoffs. Yeah. So let's just straight up make our picks. Phillies, Braves. Uh, Braves. Braves. Uh, Dodgers and... Padres. 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 Dodgers. They tied the series last night, by the way. Juan Soto playing well. Astros, Mariners. I'm praying for the Mariners, but I know it's going to be the Astros. Astros. Yep. Yankees, Guardians. <clears throat> Yankees. Yankees. All right. So we got Yankees, Astros, and Dodgers, Bra- or, well, Dodgers, Braves. Padres, Braves. Padres, Braves. All right. Uh, last segment of the day. Thank you for being with us as long as you have. Yeah. Uh, NBA contender or pretender. So I'm going to give you. Hang on one second. One second. Yeah. I'm going to give you a logos on the show. I'm going to give you a list of three teams. We're going to do six, but we're running a little long. Yeah. I'm going to go three teams. You're going to give me three. I'm going to tell you if they're a pretender or contender. You're going to tell me if they're a pretender or contender. And then we'll flip roles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brooklyn Nets. Contender. Here's why. Watching Ben and I've been seven seed last year. Yes. Without Kyrie Irving, really. Without Ben Simmons, really. Kyrie Irving was in his. Yes, we know. Control. Um, Watching them play in the preseason so far, having Ben on the floor defensively is going to change how they're able to function throughout the entirety of the season. Taking that defensive burden off of Kevin Durant and allowing him to focus on being as efficient as humanly possible on the offensive end and then give allowing Kyrie to play as a shooter in transition versus the guy that orchestrates the offense in transition because Ben will also grab his fair share of rebounds against guys like Giannis who are going to back him into the paint, take him to the lane, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to be a big change for Brooklyn, and I think it leans the right direction. I think they're a contender this year. Atlanta Hawks. Pretender. I have never been one to buy into the Trey Young thing, and I don't think DeJounte Murray makes them all that much better. I think if 
Trey Young is the all-shoot, no-layup point guard. DeJounte Murray is the all-layup, no-jump-shot point guard. So, sure, they've got two guys that are phenomenal at their specialty, but that's not going to lead to playoff success. Hornets. Is Was LaMelo's ankle injury serious? That's the major question there. Ankle sprain. Ankle sprain. Status uncertain for opener, so... He'll just be out for the start of the season. I think they're still a pretender. I don't think they're a contender for an Playing NBA team champion. Last year. Yeah, I don't think they're a contender for an NBA championship. You'll probably see them back in that play-in tournament this year. They're missing a piece. I know they think it's Gordon Hayward, but they need to replace him with a legitimate something to support LaMelo because as much as people want to hate on him, he's made plenty of progress. He's a decent enough shooter from three. He knows how to facilitate transition offense. He knows how to get to the rim. He's good at the free throw line, and his length on different on defense makes a difference. All right, let's hear your three. All right, so let's start with uh, the hometown, the hometowners, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Contender. Okay, top, why? Top four in the West. Um, deep bench, really good starting lineup that can contend with pretty much anybody. Uh, we're going to beat the bad teams, and we're going to play the good teams tough, and that gets you top four in your side of the conference. Okay. New Orleans Pelicans with healthy Slim Zion. Yeah, I had them on my list as well. Uh, they were one of the teams that I cut. I'm going to say pretender. Okay. Um, haven't done enough to make me think otherwise. Okay. Uh, the NBA is very much like the NFL. It's what have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. The Pelicans have done nothing. And Zion has done nothing. So can that change? Yes. Not counting them out completely, but right now they're pretenders. Okay. Last one here. And we're talking contender for NBA championship. The Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, they're a contender. Um, and and it's kind of the way I look at sports is it's all about winning windows and giving yourself opportunities to win a championship, yes. right? Technically, in order to give yourself an opportunity to win an NBA championship, you have to qualify for the NBA playoffs. Yes. To give yourself an even better chance at winning that championship, you have to be six seed or higher, five seed uh-huh. or higher. The Mavs are right in there with the West. Oh, yeah. They'll um, be top three. And then probably. you add in uh, an ingredient like a Luka Doncic that can basically win you yeah. any game against any opponent at any time. They're a wild card because of that. Mm-hmm. They're they're definitely contenders out of the West. Did they get anybody to replace Brunson? They did, but I cannot remember who it was off the top of my head. Me I don't either. follow the Dallas Mavericks basketball team super closely, and I apologize to our fans for that. <laughs> And we're we're a Dallas positive show. Um, oh, outside of the Cowboys, I guess. Do you think his body will hold up? That's my main question when it comes to them. You think he's finally figured it out? I think he's fine. Fair enough. All right, let us know who you guys find as either pretenders or contenders for NBA championships down in the comments section below. That wraps the show, Mike. Broncos. Yeah, as he walks away. Man, he has just turned into a fucking movie character hadn't he turned he's always been a movie character he was just in seattle so we didn't see it oh so he's gone from gray's anatomy to a poor reboot of like disjointed there we go fair enough fair enough all right well as always thank you guys for joining us for yet another episode of glass half sports glad to have you with us if you enjoyed the show make sure to tap that notification bell on any of what platforms mike twitter instagram facebook tiktok spotify youtube Twitch and Patreon. That will notify you when we drop new content, whether that's the full show here, clips of the shows that we 
dice up and send out to you guys to be a little bit more digestible or some of the crazy stuff that we post on social media or Instagram or other places as, you know, news throughout the week. Um, Be sure to join us next week as we are going to be taking uh, a big bite out of the UFC Supercard, the MLB playoff results. The Vikings are going to be on by, so we'll get a good chance to talk about them um, as we get ready for the Cardinals, which will be two weeks after that. And then a first look at the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Minnesota Wild as they tip off their season. Did I miss anything, Mike, that we'll be covering next week? That you'll be covering. Oh, and Mike won't be here, so make sure you tune on in uh, to avoid all of the negativity. Uh, Mike, anything you want to say pre-hiatus here? Roll skis. Roll skis. There we go. Good luck, by the way. And uh, we will see y'all next week. Until then, stay safe, take care, have fun. That's right. I'm exhausted.